Thank you for listening to a student ministry sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about the student ministry or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com. And now, here's this week's student ministry sermon. So this is our final uh, night as we talk about uh, Paul and the letters that he's written. I hope that you have learned a lot about God and about yourselves and about the way that God has saved you. It's been a a joy for me to be able to share with you in a small way. And uh, tonight we're looking at a letter that isn't the last one Paul wrote, but I'm glad we've saved it till the end because it is my favorite book in the whole Bible. It's called Ephesians. And I'm going to have to be careful because when I start talking about Ephesians, I usually don't stop for a while. So let me give you the overview. I like Ephesians for a couple reasons. One is because it was written to everyone. Like he wrote it to the church in Ephesus, but some of the earliest ones we have don't even say in Ephesus on there because the idea, it's called a circular letter. And the idea is that you write this letter that kind of summarizes your thinking and then you pass it around all over the place. And all of Paul's letters were passed back and forth and he knew this. But in this one in particular, he doesn't seem to be addressing any particular problem. He's not concerned about something. He just is saying, let me go ahead and unpack for you the gospel. And so I like Ephesians because I think no matter what's going on in the life of the church, no matter what's going on in your life as an individual, Ephesians has a message that you need to hear. And I also like it because of the message itself. Uh, Paul is writing this one in prison around the same time he wrote Colossians and Philemon and Philippians. And so you look at his situation and you think you're not on top of the world. But Paul doesn't care because he believes that Jesus is on top of the world. And really that's what the letter to the Ephesians is all about. He introduces it with this, well, the the first chapter has the longest sentence in the entire New Testament. He's just worshiping. And then he gets to kind of his, his main idea, his thesis statement, if you know what that is. Everything he wants to say in one sentence towards the end of chapter one. And what he says is, is that by virtue of his resurrection from the dead, that Jesus has been raised above every power and ruler and authority in the entire universe, human or otherwise. And his whole point in this letter is that Jesus is king and we know this because God raised him from the dead. And the rest of the letter is is an argument that that is true and then uh, an unpacking of how to live in light of it. He says, you want to know how Jesus is king? Chapter 2, he brings dead people back to life. Chapter 2, he brings united, divided communities and unites them. Chapter 3, he takes uh, people who are suffering and through them sends the gospel throughout the world. And then the last half is just how to live it all out. So I, I love Ephesians because it's a letter about how to live in the fact that we celebrate the triumph of Christ over all evil. And it's a letter about how we practice this life that is only possible because of the resurrection. So as we wrap up our study of Paul uh, tonight, we just want to one more time encourage you to to lean in and and listen as we talk about what it means to celebrate salvation, to, to live by God's grace for His purposes. How's everybody doing tonight? I'm doing well. Uh, For those of you guys who don't know who I am, my name's Elijah Daly, and I'm one of the ministers here on staff. Uh, But usually I get to sing, I get to uh, lead lead the music. This week they let me talk, so we'll see how it goes. Um, But I'm excited to be here with you. I'm excited to get to wrap up this study of Paul and his letters with you tonight. Um, What we're going to be really talking about, digging into, is again, living by God's grace for his purposes. 
But that whole, that, even that entire sentence is one that, that just needs to be pulled apart. We need to understand how we're going to, what God's grace is, what God's purpose is. And then only then can we understand how we're going to really live by it, how our, how our lives are going to be affected by it. So I want to just begin diving into this idea of purpose. Purpose. I think purpose is probably one of those things that it's, it's, it's interesting to me, really, because I think that it probably affects us the most, you know, especially as we get older, especially for seniors. You know, this is probably going to be one of those questions you're really asking, God, what do you want me to do? Where are you leading me? Where should I follow you? Um, or just in general, you kind of just asking, what, what, what am I supposed to do with my life? And I think that the reality is when we start asking questions about purpose, the real thing that we're really beginning to ask is a heavy question. And that question is, why do we exist? Why do I exist? Why do you exist? That's the question we begin to ask when we begin to ask questions of purpose. And so um, how many of you guys in this room even know who Ronda Rousey is? Anybody? Raise your hand if you know who she is. Okay, so half and half, maybe, I don't know. If you don't know who she is, let me tell you. She is the first UFC fighter that is a woman, uh, but she was also awesome. She was the best woman fighter. She was undefeated for three years. No one could take her down in over three years until, right, you guys probably, some of you guys probably know this, November 15th, 2015, Ronda Rousey was taken down by a girl named Holly Holm. And she was taken down. She was knocked out cold in the second round. And immediately after that, she was taken to the hospital. And she had to take a, really a lot of time to kind of heal and come back from, from the injury. But eventually, she, she began doing a lot of interviews after that to begin talking about the fight. Because it was a huge fight. And when she lost, it, it shocked the entire world that was watching and so she was talking to Ellen DeGeneres. She was on the Ellen DeGeneres show, and she kind of begins reflecting upon her time in the hospital. Let me read you what she says. She said, honestly, my thought in the medical room, I was sitting in the corner and was like, what am I anymore if I'm not this? Rousey said, literally sitting there thinking about killing myself. And that exact second, I'm like, I'm nothing. What do I do anymore, she said. No one cares about me anymore without this. And I, I would probably contend that all of us in some way have determined a purpose in our life that we believe validates our existence. We all do this in some capacity, whether it be achieving the top accolades of sports, we want to be the champion, whether it be, be the valedictorian, whether we're trying to achieve the highest GPA or at least be a good student so we can get a good job and then work our way to the top. Maybe it's in your relationships. Maybe your purpose, you believe, is to have someone who loves you and therefore you can love them in return. We all kind of determine a purpose in our lives, and we feel like if we don't achieve that purpose, we are failures, and we feel lost, and we feel devastated. Um, sometimes we achieve, achieve those purposes, and we find out that they were empty all to begin with. One time, when I was in seventh grade, believe this or not, I know I'm, I'm probably a pretty, I feel like I'm a pretty scrawny guy, I don't know. I feel like some of you high school kids could probably beat me up. 
honestly. But at one point, at one point, I was good at sports. I swear it. Before I started getting into music, I, start, I played sports and I loved it. And I will never forget seventh grade. Um, I was on this basketball team and we were good. We won a championship. Uh, we played in a bunch of tournaments and all that stuff. And, but there was a, a kid at my school who was on the rival, the rival team. And for whatever reason, he just gave me grief all the time, just telling me that, you know, I wasn't good and all this different stuff. And I will never forget the time that he challenged me to a game on one on one. And I accepted. And so I remember during our lunch period, uh, we went outside and we began playing. I think we were probably like playing to 11 or something like that by ones and twos, not twos and threes. Um, So we were playing to 11. And what happened was I was just dominating him. I mean, it wasn't even, it wasn't even fair. But as gradually as we began playing, our entire grade just began to surround the basketball court. And it was like a movie. I'm, it was like amazing for me because I was like, finally, I get to show the world that I had long hair at the time too, like longer than it was now. Like I was that skater kid who like was full of angst, you know. But anyways, I was ready to go off with the basketball. And I will never remember, I'm winning to like by nine to four. I don't even remember. I remember stepping back behind the three-pointer and he just says, go ahead and shoot. You won't make it. And I will never forget just putting that bad boy up and it falling down through the hoop and the entire grade just goes, oh, and I thought this was it. Finally, I'm going to walk into school and they're finally going to be like, Elijah, I saw you yesterday. You made that, that shot and it was amazing. Great job. Um, I'm telling you, it was the best feeling ever. I felt like four foot five Michael Jordan in Space Jam when somehow he figures out how to dunk and everyone's singing, I believe I can fly. It, it was amazing. Okay. Amazing. Some of you guys are like, what's Space Jam? And I'm really sorry about you for that. Um, but the whole point is... Our purpose, we have, we have tried to find a purpose and to define it by the things in our life that we feel like people will accept us for. We try to validate our purpose by what we can accomplish or about who will love us. And there's a problem in that. There's a problem in that. But to begin to understand what God has really called us to, we must begin to look at an even heavier question than the question, why do I exist? The heavier question in this is why does God exist? What is his purpose? And that's a hard one to answer. But I believe that Ephesians begins answering that for us in Ephesians 1. And so I want to take a second and I want to read that together. Let's read it. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. This is his purpose right here to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. That is God's purpose. It begins to give us an insight into why God exists. That's amazing. 
and part. And what it says is God exists to unite every single thing in him. But by stating that, what it's saying is that there's something separate from him. And what we have to begin to figure out is why there is that separation at all. How many of you guys know the story of Adam and Eve? It's a pretty well-known one, all right? Even if you've seen images with leaves covering naked men and women. They're not naked because they're being covered by leaves. Uh, But what happens in the story, right, is Eve gets tricked into eating of the tree of knowledge. And so uh, what happens is she tells her husband, this is pretty good, you should have some. And so he decides, yeah, I'm going to reject what God says as well. God said, don't eat from it, um, but I'm going to do it anyways. And so he ate from it as well. And there were some consequences to that rejection. The consequence was the separation. And there were a lot of consequences, but I want to point out three tonight. The first one is creation. Creation lashed out against creation itself. And I don't think that there's probably many people that understand this quite like this room does tonight. Because a couple of years ago, we saw creation devastate our city and leave it completely desolate. When someone is able to come and they see bare trees and houses torn to the ground, there is no doubt that when we see that, we understand that is not how God created creation to be. That is not how it was supposed to be. And so in the result of the consequence of sin, began, creation began lashing out against itself. The second thing is idolatry happened. Idolatry, which is we make things into idols. What that means is we start confusing things that aren't God for God. And that's essentially what, what sin really is. Um, sin is the expression of our faith, but in the wrong thing. That's that, that idol we put in our life that we said, maybe this will give us meaning. This will give us purpose. And so because of that, we rejected the only thing that could fulfill us and give us purpose, which is God. And the third thing that happens is death. Death is what separates us from God forever. It separates us from his character, from his goodness, from his perfection. It separates us forever. And every single person in this room will die one day. What a great, encouraging message. (laughs) But the fact is, this is what God is hoping to repair. This is what God wants to fix. He wants to unite all things in him. He wants to fix it all. And we're all down for that, aren't we? We're good with that. He wants to wipe away the natural disasters that leave our city desolate. He wants to, to, to throw away the cancer that, that rip our loved ones away. He wants to finally get rid of sin and he wants to eradicate death. And we are for that. That is the justice of God finally be, being acted out by the only one who could do it. The only one who could do it faithfully. And he's moving. This is purpose. He's going to do it. Raise your hand in here. If you would be pretty excited that the justice of God was being carried out to finally take away once and for all those who sell children into sex trafficking. Raise your hand if you would be down for God's justice coming down on those people. Exactly. We're ready for that, aren't we? But do you know why those kids are sold into sex trafficking? Because someone buys them. Because there's a demand for them. 
Do you know why that demand exists? Is because pornography has become so accessible to all human beings that our, that our, our vision of what sexual intimacy is has been completely and utterly distorted. And so even though we raise our fists at those who sell kids into sex trafficking, we continue to promote those things in the privacy of our own homes. And because of that, it affects even women who either view it or are affected by it because now they, are, they have to measure up to this image that's just completely faulty. You see, we want God's purpose. We want his justice. But in doing so, it crushes us. God's purpose is to unite all things in him. How can we possibly be a part of it if it's crushing us? Every time you look at a pornographic image, every time you lie, cheat, steal, every time you talk badly about someone behind their back, we are pushing God away. We are, we are beginning another purpose that, that exists outside of God. Every time God becomes an option instead of a necessity, we live in rebellion. Every single time. And yet we want that purpose carried out. So how will God allow us to be a part of his purpose without being crushed by it? Grace. Living by grace for his purpose. We can only live by grace. It isn't that God's purpose won't be carried out. It absolutely will. Justice will come. But instead of the crushing weight of that justice being carried out on you, it's carried out on his son. And what we begin to see is that Jesus, in this text, Jesus inherited the title of a sinner so that we could inherit his title as son. Man, that is an amazing truth. That's the gospel. That's the good news. I want to read that passage again. Let's read that one more time. Ephesians 1, 3 through 10. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. He has blessed us in Jesus. In him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things things in heaven and things on earth. Are we beginning to understand the length that God has gone to bring us in? God's purpose is to put the world right God's grace is to include you. And the beginning, the, the start of us beginning to really realize the gospel is the start of transformation. But why? Why would God do this? Why would God go to such lengths to bring us into his purpose? Well, I'll tell you, I have a wife and a child. I, my wife, uh, let's throw the picture up there. I have a picture of him. Now, I will tell you, some people have said that my son looks like a doll, and he kind of does. But it's a real boy, I promise. So uh, that's my wife. We've been married for two years, and that is my son. His name's Keller, and um, he's awesome. He's three months old. And really, though, 
Um, I have a better video that I feel like represents them pretty well that my wife sent me that I'm sure she loves, the fact that I'm sharing it all with you, but um, check this video out. Come on. Why does this get... <laughs> Why does this get you? Yeah, he's pretty awesome. I like him. Three months so far, though. Uh, but the thing that I've noticed about him is, is interesting is that he literally can contribute nothing to our relationship. Um, he basically eats, poops, cries, sleeps, and then we repeat this process all day, every day. Um, he can't do chores yet. He can't, like, communicate with me. He can't throw a ball with me. He is literally just existing right now, and I am totally helping him along. Um, but here's the truth, though. Here's the truth, is that Despite that, despite the fact that he can do nothing for me, I deeply love him. I deeply, deeply enjoy him. That's the truth. And then I'm not naive enough to think that there's probably people in this room right now who have never, ever experienced that love. Who will probably, who probably don't want to go home tonight because their home life is not one that reflects anything that they have heard in this place. But what we are trying to help you understand is that our God can fix it. That our God can redeem anything and our God can be the person who wants to adopt you into his family because he has chosen you from the beginning before the foundation of the world that you may know him. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be his name for he has chose us into his family. Do you understand what that means? God's grace allows us to live within the purpose of God without being crushed by it. And he's calling us to live a life that reflects not just rules, but transformation of what we really want. How can we be a part of it? How can we live for God's grace for his purpose? This, is, this part is the most practical part of it all, and I think it's probably the hardest question to answer. But we need to go back and look at what it is God's trying to unify. Now, I don't mean to get, I don't want you guys to hear me saying, climate change, we need to take care of creation better. But creation is the beginning of it. We have to. This isn't a, this isn't a, a political agenda. We have to be better stewards of the gift of this earth that God has given us. It has nothing to do with an agenda. We have to be better stewards of this earth so that we can use it to help the people who have nothing but creation. The second thing is we have to get rid of the idols in our life. We have to realize that the purposes, the things we're after, we will never, they'll never satisfy us. If we fail to get them, it will leave us in despair. If we get them and, they, and, we, and, they, and we realize they aren't satisfying, they will just be left, we will just be left devastated. We got to start ridding our lives of all of those things and helping those all around you, every person in this room, being accountable to each and every single other person to help us get rid of those things. The third thing is we need to help those and rejoice over those who are grieving because of death because we know the truth. That our God's coming again and he's going to rebuild this place and we're going to walk with him again. And in a time where, where, where our church has lost so many people in such a small amount of time, it's about time we stand up and say, this is not the end. I know it's not. 
because my God's coming again and he's going to redeem this place. But for some of you, we need to be even more specific than that. So I want to give you three three really specific questions to ask yourself, to ask yourself, how can I partner with God for his purpose? What am I talented in? Not only what am I talented in, but what am I passionate about? And what is God giving me the opportunity to do with those talents and passions? Do it. Don't wait around. If the opportunities are open and you're talented and you're passionate about it, do it for the glory of God and his purpose to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Now I want to make sure something's clear tonight because oftentimes we can, we, we want you guys to know that you're loved, that you have identity, that, that it is in Christ and in him alone. But, but Bob Coughlin states this very well and I want to share it with you guys tonight. He says, the cross doesn't just point us to the greatness of our worth, but the greatness of our sin. And unless we are able to hold both of these truths in both hands equally, one will outweigh the other. And we will confuse God for only a God of love or only a God of justice. But he is both because he is good and he is perfect and he's inviting you into his family to live by his grace for his purpose. That is an amazing God. So let me pray. Father God, I thank you for these students. I thank you that they, that they want to know you more, that they want to seek you, that they're here tonight. And I pray that you would be stirring their hearts toward you, that they would know that their purpose should not be divorced from yours, God, but it should be joined with it. And that by doing so, they can change their families. They can change the way that they compete, that they can change the way that they study. They can change the way that they love. And it will affect them forever for your glory. Father, you are good. You are faithful. You are true. And you are our Father. We pray these all in your Son's name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to a student ministry sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about the student ministry or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com.